Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for the return of the LV County Championship. It's the return of the review show, folks, and what a time it is. Brilliant weather, brilliant crickets, and the return of the premier first-class cricket competition in the entire world. And who better to join me on my left for tonight's episode than everyone's favourite Essex-based but Yorkshire-supporting co-host, Mr Matt Wiley. So Matt, first things first, mate, great to have you back on the podcast for a chat about all things county crickets and the heralded and long-awaited return of the LV County Championship. I've got to ask, mate, how has your day been so far? Lovely to be back, mate. Yeah, thank you very much. My day has been incredibly busy, but it's been filled with cricket, as has most of my working days, all of my working days, for the past three months. So I can't complain. Um, it's lots of fun. Um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's uh, often off my feet, but it's all good fun. So uh, why not celebrate my evening and my supposed break from working in cricket by talking about some cricket? Well, exactly. There is no rest for the wicked in Super September. We're certainly taking you through each and every single bit of action in the county championship as it reaches its conclusion. But just for tonight, folks, just to let you know in advance, both myself and Matt are actually on a little bit of a time limit for tonight's episode. So it won't be the same length as usual. We will be back to normal from next week onwards. But tonight is a slightly shortened show, as you shall see. And Matt, seeing as we are both on a time limit, I say that we just get straight into the action and let's kickstart things with our chat about Division 1. So starting first and foremost with the results from the four matches that we witnessed in the First Division this week. We'll start in South London where Surrey beat my county of Warwickshire by an innings and 97 runs at the Oval. That was an absolutely phenomenal performance from the Brown Capsons. Yeah, they completely demolished a very, very sorry Warwickshire side in the nation's capital this week. Staying in the south of England, but heading slightly further east, let's head to the Cloud County ground in Chelmsford, where Essex beat Middlesex by 297 runs on home soil to register their sixth straight victory in the LV County Championship. So the title race is still well and truly alive, folks. And to be honest, Essex deserve their plaudits because they are the ones who really are taking Surrey all the way to the finishing line in this year's competition. Then moving slightly further south, let's head to the south coast where Hampshire beat Somerset by 185 runs on home soil at the Aegeus Bowl. Some incredibly impressive performances in that game, with both the bats and the ball in hand, from a resurgent Rose and Crown side who have been excellent in the Metrobank One Day Cup and have definitely replicated that form in the county championship over the course of these last four days. And the fourth and final result from the First Division this week took place in Northampton, where Lancashire beat Northamptonshire by an innings and 26 runs in a rather one-sided affair at Wantage Road. Now, where do those results leave Division 1, and where do they leave each of the teams? Let's take a look at the table heading in to the 13th round of action. So at the top of the table, unsurprisingly, still a Surrey on 205 points, having played 12 matches. In second place, also having played 12 matches, but on 187 points are Essex, Still very much in the title race, and you look at those bowling bonus points, 33. We shall discuss Essex's bowling in due course, but goodness me, they have been very, very impressive over the course of the first division so far this summer. Then in third, also having played 12 matches, are Hampshire on 156 points. In fourth, but with a game in hand, are Lancashire on 134 points. In fifth, similarly with a game in hand over the sides above them, are my county of Warwickshire on 130 points. In sixth, are Somerset on 128 points. In seventh, are Nottinghamshire on 114 points. In eighth, are Middlesex on 87 points. And making up the ninth and tenth positions in the first division are Kent and Northamptonshire on 81 and 61 points, respectively. So, heading in to the final three rounds of action in what has been an absolutely blockbuster first division this season. It really is up for grabs at both ends of the table. Yes, you'd probably argue that North Ants, it might be a bridge too far, but you look at that eighth and ninth place, Middlesex and Kent, just six points between those two sides, heading into an absolute relegation dogfight. But Matt, to kickstart today's show, I wanted to discuss the title race. Let's kickstart proceedings with a chat about Surrey and Essex, because 
let's face it, both these sides were incredibly impressive this week. Surrey absolutely dispatching the Bears, and then Essex making short work of Middlesex in a very complete and clinical performance at the Cloud County ground. So given that there is still a massive gap between these two sides, it's 18 points as of this recording. Who do you think will cross that finishing line at the end of September as the first division champions in the LV County Championship? It's going to be silly, isn't it? I, 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 yeah, obviously, I'd uh, love it to be Essex and make it clear again, you know, I'm not speaking on behalf of the club. This is my own personal view. But yeah, I would I would love it to be Essex. Um, but I can't see past it being silly. I, I, I personally, I think both teams will win out from here. Um, maybe predicting that Hampshire will lose twice in the last two games is a bit of a surprise, I guess, because you might think that they might be stronger than that. But I think I think Surrey are too good. I think wherever Surrey play them, I know there's been this big thing about Surrey having to play them away, but I think Surrey are too good. Wherever they'll play them, they will, they'll beat them. Then you've got Essex playing them at Chelmsford, which is obviously a hugely assistive surface. It's a, a ground that they've made into their own well, obviously, but it's, it's a ground that they've you've, you've got to be strong at home, and they absolutely are. So I think that helps them beat Hampshire. But yeah, it, it's going to be frustrating when it happens, I think. But no, I, I think uh, it's going to be back to back for Surrey, unfortunately, from my point of view. But as much as I would say it's unfortunate, it, whoever does win it will be very, very much deserving of it. They certainly will, and for different reasons, won't they? As you mentioned, Matt, Essex really have made Chelmsford a citadel, haven't they? In a cricketing capacity, six wins in a row in the county championship as well. And we go back to that old adage, the cliche, the saying that it takes two to tango. But goodness me, both these sides would be worthy winners of the county championship this season. And just talking about Surrey first and foremost, Matt, before we discuss Essex's performance over the course of these last three days. We've got to talk about the Brown Caps demolition of Warwickshire in South London because that was an incredibly complete performance, wasn't it? From the reigning champions, they've taken a massive leap forward in terms of defending that title. This was an absolutely massive, massive game for Surrey. They had to win this. Essex were always going to be chasing them and they demolished the Bears. It was a really, really one-sided affair in the nation's capital and in terms of some of the standout performances for Surrey this week, Ben Folks scoring a magnificent 125, aptly supported by cameos from the likes of, of Cam Steele. He scored 71. Dom Sibley, he dug in for 65. And then with the ball in hand, we've mentioned this in the past two seasons, but Surrey's bowling attack probably deserves a bit more credit. When we look at the Brown Caps, we think they're batting. We think of the likes of Rory Burns and Dom Sibley. We think of the likes of Hashim Amla. In seasons gone by, we think of the likes of Ben Folks, Will Jackson, Ollie Pope in the current setup. But that bowling attack is absolutely brilliant, in particular in difficult home conditions. And Dan Wall, for example, he took match figures of 8 for 59. Kemar Roach loves playing the Bears before this game, had 17 wickets in three matches against the West Midlands outfits, followed up with 4 for 64 against the Bears in this game. And then Jordan Clark as well taking some excellent figures in the second innings to wrap up a very dominant display in South London this week. So in terms of, of Surrey, Mats, do you think they can be caught? I know we've just mentioned there about the title race, but, but given the situation that they find themselves in, both Essex and Surrey play the same teams. It's just in, in a flipped order, isn't it? It's just in reverse. So Surrey have got North Ants at home, whereas Essex have got Hampshire at home. But then on the flip side of that... Surrey have Hampshire away in the final round, whereas Essex have Northampton away. So it's quite an interesting scenario, isn't it, that the two counties find themselves in. But given the sheer strength of quality in both the batting and the bowling departments, was this the victory, mats which took Surrey across the line in Division 1 this year? No, I think the victory that takes them across the line will literally be the one where they win it. The last game of the season against Hampshire, I think that is the one that they have to win to be sure of it but this goes a long long way like I was 
you know, greatest respect to Northampton. I think both counties are expected to beat Northampton. Hence, Hampshire will be the big one, but they're both playing each other. They're both playing Essex and Surrey. So there's no real point of differential there. Hence, Warwickshire were the, the big one. The, the one that I was really, really hoping could, even if they didn't beat Surrey, I was hoping that they could maybe, you know, make them work for a win or, you know, have them flat out for four days, you know, try and tire them out, if nothing else, or try and, you know, just get something, show a sign of weakness because of the strength of Warwickshire on paper, you know, then it didn't really turn out that way, did it? So it's a it's a massive, massive step forward. But I, I, Hampshire away is still, I know, I think they'll win it. I've said they think they'll win it. But it's still difficult, you know, they're still going to have to, Bit Kevin Keegan, they've still got to go there and get something, but they have great reference. Well, thank you, niche 90s football. But yeah, they've they've still got to go there and get something, and that will be the one that it kind of kind of weird. I'm not really making myself very clear. I think I'm just being very literal in that. Oh, yeah, that's the one they'll win it and they'll win the title, but that's the one that they've got to get a result in because I think you know we will be watching on from Wanted Road, hoping that something can happen there while we try and uh, get something ourselves. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's still intriguingly poised, but Surrey definitely took a massive step forward this week for sure. They certainly did. And again, considering they also lost the toss, Warwickshire captain Will Rhodes won the toss, elected to have a bowl first. And yeah, they completely dispatched the Bears this week. Considering the fact as well, they only scored 396 at one point. I thought they were going to score at least 500 plus. Maybe those bonus points could come back to haunt them heading into the latter stages of this campaign. But yeah, to win by by an innings and 97 runs, having only put 396 on the board for Surrey standards, an outstanding performance. And as for the Bears, that is the title hopes over. All three trophies gone yet again in 2023 and... Yeah, it's just been a rotten week, to be honest. I'm not going to expand upon it much more, but yeah, heartbreak in the in the semi-finals of the Metro Bank One Day Cup, and then a capitulation in the nation's capital. But at least Sam Hain got selected for England, as we'll touch upon in more detail in next week's show. But we don't have time for a 15-minute Sam Hain-related monologue for tonight's episode. But Matt, before we talk about North Ants, because we do also need to discuss the relegation battle. Because again, that is getting very, very tight and tense towards the bottom of the table. I just had to give an immense amount of plaudits to Essex because they really impressed me this week. In particular, considering the fact that Surrey had already won on day two of that match. So they knew they needed to win. They had to put in a complete performance if they were to take this to the next level. And they did exactly that, didn't they? With both the bats and the ball in hand. Sir Alistair Cook, the timeless master of Red Bull cricket registering scores of 58 and 84. And then Matt Critchley with a runner ball 65 in the second innings, really hammering home Essex's dominance in this particular game with the bat in hand. And then with the ball, Jamie Porter, six for 34. It is wonderful to see Jamie Porter in this kind of form. And as of the conclusion of the 13th round, he is the leading wicket taker in Division 1 so far this summer with 53 wickets at a frighteningly good average of 17.39. So a huge week for Essex. Absolutely glorious performance in front of a packed crowd at the Cloud County ground. And goodness me, it is going to be some fight to the finish between those two southern counties heading into the remainder of Super September. But Matt, aside then from the title race, let's take a look at the latter stages and the bottom end of the table in the first division and let's talk about the likes of North Ants and Middlesex, because both those counties suffering massive defeats this week. It wasn't even a case of them being close defeats. They were completely outplayed in both of their respective fixtures. So we'll start with North Ants. Do you think this was the death rattle for the East Midlands County for the first division this season? Or do you think there's some way, some miraculous chance of them surviving the drop heading into the rest of this summer? It's really difficult because obviously Lancashire are a really good team and you'd think on paper going into a game like that that they probably 
not many people would have given them much chance anyway. But such is the state of Division One cricket that you're going to play repeatedly, going to play a lot of good teams. The problem, obviously, is that they're, you know, two of their last three games are against the two that are in the title race. So I almost think it might have already been over. Unfortunately, it's you know you don't you know you don't like to see anyone get relegated unless it's Lancashire. But yeah, it's it's been a tough season for Northampton, hasn't it? I think a lot were hoping for hoping for better because. You know, they've proven themselves perfectly capable of competing at this level as they did last year. But, yeah, it's just, it's always going to be tough to stay afloat with uh, with counties that are generating considerably more money than you. And, it's, you know, it's, it's not a level playing field, is it? So you have to take that kind of, that you have to take that into account. But, yeah, I think it was probably already game over even before the one day cup for for Northampton unfortunately. So all I can say to uh, to the supporters down at Wanted Road or, or in fact up at Wanted Road, I'm still not used to living in the South, um, is just drop into division two and uh, try and come back at the first attempt. Well I think they can do that to be honest. I, I think, think it's so. been a really rough season, but I do think that a lot needs to change at the club and I think we are going to see some departures. I do think we might see a change in terms of the management structure as well. Heading into the future that is something which has been discussed at length over the past few weeks at the East Midlands County but yeah it's just been a really really rough season and to be honest it's been difficult to watch because one of the aspects of Northants last year which made them such a strong unit in the first division was their batting. They had a number of players averaging over 40. And if you look at the stats so far this season, not a single player has a 40-plus average in that Northants batting lineup. They've also only secured three batting bonus points from the 11 matches that they've played so far. So you just look at it on paper. And yes, the Bears are out of the title race, but they've got pride to play for. They really have. The Bears have only won one out of the last six matches. The fans are not happy. They have got to put in a performance at Edgebaston. So... That's going to be a difficult game. Then, of course, the last two against the two teams which are in the title race, it is going to be tremendously tough. And unfortunately for Northants, I think we might be at the point of no return. But they've got good players. They've got some good, talented youngsters. So fingers crossed heading into the rest of this summer and, of course, the years beyond that Northants can regain their mojo and come back to the first division. Because, to be honest, I've enjoyed watching them. But it's just been a really rough season. The batting hasn't been to the standard of the division and the unfortunately bar a miracle I do think they are destined for the drop in the summer of 2023 but aside from Northants mats I suppose we have to look at the matchup between Kent and Middlesex because that's probably the other likely battle isn't it in the relegation dogfights Middlesex yet again failing to secure a batting bonus point I mentioned there about Northants having three Middlesex have only racked up two in the entire season two batting bonus points and they were completely outplayed, weren't they, in Chelmsford this week. Now, aside from the batting, I will just say one huge positive for the Saxes was Josh DeCarey's. And I think we've all seen that dismissal of Tom Wesley with an absolute jaffer of an off-break, taking figures of eight for 106 in that particular innings and a match 10 for as well for the young off-spinner. But it's been a real rough season for the London club. And you look at their fixtures remaining... They've got some difficult away games in there. And obviously the, the the trip of Warwickshire to Lords as well, who historically have done quite well in North London. So, Matt, in terms of the, the other relegation place, who do you think will survive the drop? Do you think Kent have got it within them? Or do you think Middlesex can maintain that eighth position and maintain their place more importantly in Division 1 heading into 2024? Yeah, this one is the much more difficult one to call, isn't it? I actually think that it's going to come down to sort of experience and maybe that that kind of intangible sort of know-how and just, yeah, just, just that experience of how you get out of a difficult situation. And I think when you look at Middlesex's kind of setup, they seem to have that a little bit more, you know, they've got Tim Murta among the coaching staff who might still play the odd game, 
people like Mark Stoneman and Sam Robson, both short and sweet England careers, but England careers nevertheless. They, I feel like they've just got that a bit more about them. So I feel like Middlesex will will manage to to avoid it. Um, and what I would say as well is Kent's case hasn't exactly been helped by the announcement of that slightly surreal England squad, um, which is named Zach Crawley as captain of a one-day team. You know, I'm sure they were hoping to... They would have been planning to have him back because uh, you can always, you know, you have to appreciate when England come calling that players want to play for England, but you would... You'd certainly been hoping that he could play for his club, and now that he's not going to, that probably uh, put a bit more of a spanner in their work, definitely. So, yeah, I think it'll be Middlesex that sneak it, but it's a lot, you know, as much as I said, yeah, Northampton were already down six weeks ago. Neither of these two are out yet, are they? So this one's going to be far more engrossing, I think. It really is. Again, it comes back to the box office nature of the county championship this summer. That is going to be a real fight to the finish at the bottom end of the table as well. And in terms of the two schedules, I did allude to Middlesex having two very difficult away trips. They've got Lancashire this week at Old Trafford, then that home game against Warwickshire in the in the penultimate rounds, and then in the final rounds on the 26th, they've got a trip to Trent Bridge against Knotts. Whereas looking at Kent's schedule, they've got a home game against Knotts this week. They've got a trip to Taunton in the penultimate round, and then in the final round of fixtures, They've got home game against Lancashire. So Kent have got two home games. Middlesex have got two away. So again, could that potentially play into it? Only time will tell. But no. Do you not no. think so? That's no, no, I don't. This, this is the thing is because obviously people have got this idea of Middlesex is, you know, that they're, they're a mega rich county because they play at Lords, but they, they barely have any home advantage, do they? You know, they don't even get to pick which, which wicket they play on at Lords. They are tenants of the MCC and I don't think I think when you're talking about home advantage with Middlesex I don't think it's that much of a factor I think you know you're talking about home advantage of Essex obviously it's enormous it's probably the single biggest narrative you can think of but no I, I think it's not I think it's fairly level to be honest Matt. Fair enough Matt we'll have to wait and see though won't we but I suppose from a Kent perspective as well they will be boosted by the addition oh, yeah. of Indian leg spinner use Venture Chahal who comes into the mix. Now, in terms of his first-class record, it isn't his best, to be honest, out of the three formats. 87 wickets in 33 matches. That's an average of 35.25. But he is an international quality spin bowler. Given the fact that they've lost George Linder, he left the club a few weeks ago, they did need a spin option. And Chahal does spin it past both edges of the bat. So we'll have to wait and see. But goodness me, that is going to be a real fight to the finish between those two southern counties to retain their place in the first division next season and Matt before we take a look at division two because there were some outstanding games in the second division this week I wanted to ask for your performance of the week in division one because there's so many to choose from I've mentioned Jamie Porter's sixfer we've had Josh DeCary's eightfer Josh Bohannon scoring 175 to surpass a thousand runs for the season in a Lancashire shirt Luke Wells taken 5 of 25, including a ludicrous court and bold to dismiss Tom Taylor. It was an incredible catch, one of the catches of the season, so his name should be in the mix as well. We mentioned Ben Folks scoring 125, Liam Dawson scoring 115, and then backing it up with figures of 4 for 85. So in terms of your performance of the week in the first division, which performance have you selected and why? So this is obviously going to make me sound horrendously biased, but I am actually going to go for Jamie Porter for the reason being that that pitch wasn't conducive to seam bowling at all, was it? It was a pitch that was set up to spin that De Curry's exploited in the first inning and then obviously Simon Harmer really came into his own as he does practically every game at Chelmsford um, late on. But yeah, it was dry, it was 30 degrees, it was a spinning pitch, but he still managed to take six wickets on it, and I think that really kind of shows, I think it shows you what sort of bowler he is, which is, the you know, that, that ability to take wickets 
on any surface is really, really impressive. And it's almost a, you know, there's been a little bit of a case, you know, England have perhaps lacked that. I don't get me wrong, this isn't my pitch for being to pick for England. I'd be perfectly happy to see him playing for Essex um, for, for a while yet. But that, you know, that ability to take wickets on a pitch that isn't as green and isn't as helpful is a big, big tick in the box. It really is. So, yeah, it probably sounds horribly biased. And you've mentioned some superb performances there. Absolutely, Ben Folks, especially Aiden Surrey and getting those bonus points. Um, although I was a little bit confused by the repeatedly turning down a single in the last over. I don't. Kamar Roach can bat. I don't. I don't quite understand that. Why he was. He clearly wanted to be the hero. And then he just top edged out into the leg side anyway when they were four short. He didn't even need to go along. Didn't even need to go aerial. He could have just hit it along the ground. And that was an odd one for me. But it was still an excellent innings and it got them to some valuable points. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Port. Fair enough, Matt. Uh, again, we have mentioned that multiple times in today's podcast, but it was an outstanding individual display and I think it's safe to say that we're both incredibly happy. For Jamie Porter, after all of the injury worries, after the fall in his cricket, wasn't it? From that time when he was meant to be selected for England, he was the next cab off the rank and it never materialised. He did suffer a little bit of a wobble with his county form, but he's back to his best now, isn't he? And it really is wonderful to see him leading that Essex attack, leading the county championship in terms of wickets taken. Jamie Porter take a bow. And honestly, we're absolutely buzzing for him. Really, really delighted for him. An excellent bowler, great character. Loves Essex County Cricket Club, so shout out to Jamie Porter for yet another magnificent performance on home soil this week. And in terms of some other bowling displays that I just wanted to mention, Matt, in what was an incredibly disappointing and lacklustre performance for my county of Warwickshire, Ed Barnard did stand out like an absolute gem. 5 for 66, his maiden fifer in a bear shirt in the first class formats. He's been in some great form. Leading run score in the Metrobank One Day Cup took a shed load of wickets in that as well. And it's great to see him finding this form for the Bears with the red ball in hand as well. And then in terms of Somerset as well, yes, it was a very disappointing defeat and quite a heavy one on the South Coast this week. But Jack Brooks taking figures of 5 for 56 in the first innings. And then the likes of Tom Curley Cadmore, he scored 84 and Sean Dixon backing it with 63. Great to see those two in the runs as well. So in what was a, a very, very exciting round of action, in the first division this week, we've seen an awful lot of standout performances. But for me, Matt, we've mentioned that game at length in Chelmsford. I had to go with Joshua De Carey's eight for 106, the best individual figures of any bowler in the county championship this summer in the first division. Absolutely world class from the young Middlesex all rounder. So Josh De Carey's take a bow. Unfortunately, it didn't materialise and manifest itself into a victory for the London club, but he's got a very, very bright future in this game that we call cricket. So watch out for Joshua De Carey's with both the bats and the ball in hand. But Matt, aside then from our conversation, our debates, our discussion about Division 1, let's turn our attention to Division 2 because, again, we look at the top of the table. It is an absolute dogfight in the second division as well. So let's kickstart proceedings with a look at the results this week. And let's start with Worcestershire's game against Glamorgan, where the Pairs beat the Welsh Outfit by 80 runs on home soil at New Road. Then heading up to the northeast, Durham beat Sussex by seven wickets at the Riverside to cement their position at the top of the table and get themselves only five points away from automatic promotion. We shall discuss that in just a moment. Turning our attention from the northeast to the East Midlands, Leicestershire also maintained their promotion race with an eight-wicket victory over Gloucestershire on home soil. And in the fourth and final game in the second division this week, I know that, Matt, you'll be incredibly happy about this, as will our other co-host, Kieran. But yeah, Yorkshire beating Derbyshire by 277 runs in Scarbados in what was a very complete performance from the White Rose at North Marine Road. So let's take a look at the table as a result of those encounters. And as I alluded to beforehand, very much top of the table. In fact, 44 points clear of the next team below them are Durham on 198 points. If they get five more points, they will return to the first division 
for the first time in nearly eight years, which would be absolutely wonderful for the northeastern county. In second are the pairs of Worcestershire on 154 points. In third, but crucially, with a game in hand over Worcestershire, are Leicestershire on 130 points. In fourth, are Glamorgan on 123 points. In fifth, are Sussex on 116 points. In sixth, are Derbyshire on 85 points. And then in seventh and eighth place, are Gloucestershire and Yorkshire respectively on 84 points and 68 points. So that promotion race, Matt, we have to discuss because it's been box office all season long, hasn't it? Honestly, I'm running out of popcorn at this point. I'm running out of synonyms and adjectives and superlatives to describe that race to the first division heading into the 2024 season. But I've got to ask the question, Matt, who do you think will join Durham? in the first division next season, given the fact that Worcestershire really did cement their credentials, didn't they, this week? That was a wonderful performance against a fellow promotion contender. But then Leicestershire as well. If they get a victory and Worcestershire slip up, it's back open again. So who do you think out of the Midlands counties will join Durham in the first division next season? I think it will be Worcestershire. I think that's a lot of what-ifs, isn't it? I think this was the really big one. Yeah, this this definitely was the one that, not that truly got them across the line, they're still yet to do that, obviously, but the one that this was a gigantic step by beating Glamorgan, you know, a team that's only just below them. When you're talking about the league table not lying, there's, there's not much of a gap between those two teams, and Worcestershire, absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, you said it just stated the credentials, didn't they? They, they made it very, very clear that they are for real. Um, and it's in their hands now, isn't it? So all they've got to do is just maintain that that point's different over the final couple of games, and it's it's theirs. And I do think that point's difference is probably just a little bit too much. I know Leicestershire have got the game in hand. It could reduce very heavily. It could go to probably within five if Leicestershire win that game in hand. But I think, yeah, Worcestershire got it in them to to get themselves over the line. Fair enough, Matt. And the interesting thing about these two counties, both of them do play Durham. But I think the thing which could be crucial is that Worcestershire play them first. So at this point, Durham won't have secured their place in the first division. They've still got something to play for. So could that potentially come into effect? Only time will tell. But crucially for Worcestershire, they are at home and they have made New Road a bit of a fortress in 2023 so again that is going to be a magnificent conclusion to what has been a really enthralling second division race in 2023 and you just look at Worcestershire so far and yes at times the batting has been quite poor but then you look at the averages Jake Libby he scored 955 runs at 53.05 Matthew Waits unfortunately injured at the moment but 565 runs at 35.31. The batting hasn't been amazing for the pairs, but they've found key performances at times when they've needed them. It reminds me very much of Warwickshire in 2021, where they didn't have a statistical lead in either the wickets or the runs department, but they found key performances at crucial points in their season. So I tend to agree, Matt. I do think Worcestershire will be the team to join Durham in Division 1 next season, but let's not discount Leicestershire, because again, Leicestershire have very much got it all to play for. They've got a game this week against Sussex in Hove, and then after that, matches against Yorkshire and Durham. It's still very much within Leicestershire's hands. It really is, and this was an incredibly complete performance this week. We'll discuss this in more detail when we talk about the performances, but the likes of Rishi Patel has just been magnificent, hasn't he? In this year's county championship, Colin Ackerman again providing the goods with an excellent 93 not out. Lewis Hill as well, chipping in with 62 not out. And how about Tom Scriven? I'm so delighted for this guy because I saw potential in him from his time down in Hampshire. Former England under 19, didn't quite reach the heights that I thought he would have done in the county circuits. But he's always had talent. He's always been a gifted cricketer. And to watch him yet again put in a stellar performance... In this victory, taking figures of 4 for 30 in the first innings and 3 for 43 in the second, he really has been a wonderful find for this Leicestershire Red Ball outfit. So 
again, we'll have to wait and see how that pans out. But I think both of us are in agreement, Matt. Worcestershire are the favourites, but it's going to be tense. And to be honest, I cannot wait to cover it here on the podcast, heading into these final three rounds. But we've spoken there about second place, Matt. Let's talk about the champions incarnate, the team who are going to top the first division this year, bar an absolute biblical collapse, which I don't think either of us can see coming, but we have to discuss Durham. How impressed have you been with the Northeastern County this season, Matt, considering that last year, and even the season before, you can say that in Red Bull cricket, they had a very underwhelming time of things, but the same can't be said in 2023, can it? Yeah, they've been fantastic, haven't they, this year? And I think everybody connected to county cricket will be happy for them. Um, yeah, they've been, they, they've thoroughly deserved it. They've been the best team in the division. It's like, it's like when, when Essex lost to Somerset in the, in the blast final, it was kind of the, the, the pain of the defeat was almost like, well, they have been truly the best team in this competition. And if there's anybody, there's still two that go up, isn't there? So maybe there's not going to be anybody who really misses out as a result of Durham. But everybody in that division will be totally united. In that, yeah, they have been the best team by far. They've beaten all comers. It's been superb with the bat, Alex Lees. Superb with the ball, Matty Potts, Ben Rain, who is a really, really quality player. Somebody who puts in the hard yards, bowls a lot of overs for a seamer. And, you know, they're, they're leading the way with the wickets and... Alex Lees from, uh, you know, a former player at my local village club and from we uh, we share a hometown of Halifax in West Yorkshire, so it's hard not to kind of feel quite happy for him. But yeah, to everybody connected with Durham, fair player, you've earned this. Enjoy it. They really have, Matt. And again, it's a real wholesome and, and feel-good moment, isn't it, of this summer? It really is, because Durham for years... After that incredibly unfair points deduction and subsequent relegation in 2016, have worked tirelessly for this opportunity, for this exact moment, and they deserve this. We talk about dominance, they really have been the very definition of that over the course of the second division so far. So we look at the points table, there's a huge gap at the top, huge gap, 44 points separating them and Worcestershire. You look at the batting bonus points. 46 out of a possible 60. That is absolutely ludicrous. The next best points tally in the batting department in the division is Sussex on 28. And then with the bowling, you mentioned this already, Matt, but the likes of Matt Potts, 51 wickets, the joint leading wicket taker in the second division this season. And who's he up there with? Ben Rain. 51 wickets for Ben Rain at an average of 26.58. And that's just with the ball in hand. We've alluded to the batting top of the rankings in the second division run charts is, of course, Alex Lees. 1,281 runs, averaging 75.35. He might be a member of the Magic Circle, but these performances have definitely not been illusion, have they, in the summer of 2023. He really is a master when it comes to county cricket, a Red Bull leader, a Red Bull veteran. This is wonderful to see. I think both of us, Matt, have got that affinity for Alex Lees. And honestly, Durham deserve this. I'm absolutely chuffed for them. So if you're a Durham fan, fingers crossed, they'll get those five points in the next round. But yeah, it's just been a wonderful season, hasn't it? And I think someone else who deserves an immense amount of credit, Matt, is Ryan Campbell, the new head coach. He's come in. The players have clearly taken a shining to him. They like his style. They love his philosophy. And the rewards are, are clear to see, aren't they? It's been evident, the improvement that they've displayed in both the batting and the bowling department. So, yeah, any more words on Durham, Matt, in what is quite clearly a long overdue praise of this team? Because they've just been wonderful, haven't they? They absolutely have, yeah. I don't think there's much to add there, really, other than I'm uh, very impressed with your reference to the Magic Circle and seamless segue back to cricket there. But, no, they're absolutely superb, yeah. Um Drink it in, pretty much. Exactly. All I can say, yeah. Um, it's, you know, obviously I'm firmly of the belief that nothing in sport is 
kind of you, nobody nobody deserves anything without putting the effort in but Durham have firmly put the effort in and this success has very much been earned and is very much deserved and uh, I just really hope that they can re-establish themselves back in the top division but that's getting ahead of myself a little bit you know they've got a winter where they can enjoy it and to be fair it's um, the, the one thing I would say about Durham is if they when they come back up to division one I really really hope that Essex don't play them in April or May because it's so cold up there it really is freezing but maybe that's why they're so good at home because uh, opposition counties can't uh, handle it when they go up there but no um, all the optimism is fantastic can't ask any more of it you certainly can't and yeah it's just great to see so shout out to Ryan Campbell shout out to Alex Lees Matt Potts Ben Rain Graham Clark Baz Delader all of the above Durham looks set to be in the first division in 2024 what a wonderful time it is to be a fan of Durham County Cricket Club but Matt, aside from the positives associated with Durham and their rise to the top of the table and their seemingly subsequent promotions of the first division, let's talk about a, a couple of counties who maybe haven't had the seasons that we expected. And first and foremost, I think we have to discuss Glamorgan because this is a really disappointing way to, to almost bring a culmination to their promotion battle because before the season started, I had them in that second spot. Given the, the the strides, the improvements that they made in 2022, I honestly thought that this would be the year. Given the strength of the batting lineup, we've seen the emergence of players like Ben Kellaway, Jamie McElroy as well. They've got a great mix of youth and experience in that side. But what do you make of their campaign? Because not just on the field, but I suppose off the field, they're also losing the club captain, David Lloyd. He's heading off to Derbyshire from next season onwards. What have you made of Glamorgan's campaign? in the second division this year? It's a difficult one because obviously they've not been not been bad, not by a long shot, have they? I mean, that Worcester this week was their first loss of the season. To get this far without losing is really impressive. And I think they've almost been slightly undone by the by by the shock of Worcestershire and Leicester. I don't think anybody expected Worcestershire and Leicestershire to be either of them to be in the promotion race, let alone both of them. So I think they've just been... It's possible, I suppose. I'm trying to do this kind of thinking in real time, you can tell. But I think I wonder if it's possible that Glamorgan have just slightly rested on the laurels a little bit in the hope that because they ran Middlesex so close last season, that they, and then obviously not and Middlesex both went up, they might have hoped that they were just sort of next in line that it would have just been a sort of natural procession. And even in the instance that we saw a team like Durham run away with it, they would still be second. But I think they've been shook a little bit by the progress that Worcester and Leicestershire have made. And so they've been, I suppose you could say it's a little bit unlucky to fall short of two counties performing out of their skin. But yeah, it's, it's a really weird one because, yes, it's been disappointing, but it's not been, the results haven't been disappointing. It's just overall it, it has because this is not where they wanted or expected to be, is it? You know, they, they would have wanted to be getting promoted after the season they had last year. And, you know, my personal opinion of them last year was based on eight days against Nottinghamshire where pretty much for six and a half of them, they were busy grinding a team that contained several internationals into the door. You know, they, they were superb. And, you know, I didn't manage to see them much outside of that. But I just, I kind of assumed that, well, yeah, if they put up that, if they put that up again this year, then they'd, surely they're going to get promoted. And... They've proven similarly hard to beat, but it's just, yeah, it's a it's a funny one to kind of lay judgment on, I think, because overall disappointing, but within it, there's no obvious kind of factor. I think it is purely that the other the other counties have been better rather than any great failing on Glenorgan's part. 
I think that's a fair assessment, to be honest, Matt, because, uh, again, when I say disappointing, I don't mean in terms of the the overall performances. Not I think it's just the standard that I set for this Glamorgan team, because I know that there can be a first division county. That's where this comes from, and the, the stats do suggest that they've been one of the best teams in the division. Do you think this shows that the standard of Division 2 as a whole has been raised this year, then? Do you think that's a telltale sign? 100%. It, it really has. I think Durham, obviously, they've been the trendsetters, but yeah. I think with Leicester and Worcestershire, Worcestershire last year almost were in Glamorgan's position, weren't they? A lot of draws, they weren't exactly getting the yeah. victories, whereas they've turned those draws from last year into victories this season, and then Leicestershire have just been resurgent, haven't they? After such a poor campaign last season, the bowling's improved massively, the batting has been similarly strong as it has been in previous seasons, so 100% Matt, I think that's a great point and maybe it's a case of this season given the lack of Marnus Labashane and Michael Nisa for the business stage of the competition maybe Glamorgan have just lacked that cutting edge in comparison to teams such as Leicestershire and Worcestershire above them so I hope that they come back strong next season, I really do I've got lofty aspirations for Glamorgan as a county cricket club and who knows, 2024 might be the year, if they continue the batting strength Absolutely, I think they'll be up there yet again. I still think in the bowling department, once Michael Nisa does depart, I do think they do lack that cutting edge in comparison to other bowling attacks such as Durham. I do think that Glamorgan can make a real challenge, but unfortunately, they have just drawn far too many games this season, haven't they? Ten draws, one win, one loss. It's not, it's not promotion form on this particular occasion, but there's always next season Glamorgan fans, and fingers crossed, they can get it done in the summer of 2024. But Matt, before we look at our performances of the week, and yet again, there are an awful lot in Division 2 this week, just two final counties I wanted to touch upon are Yorkshire and Derbyshire, because again, Yorkshire this week, a massive victory, funnily enough, over Derbyshire County Cricket Club. But for Derbyshire, it's just been a really underwhelming season, hasn't it? Again, we talk about a club which had made massive strides last year. What do you think has been the undoing? of the East Midlands County in the summer of 2023 because the performances aren't where we expected them to be, are they? They're not, are they? And Mickey Arthur's talked about a kind of a long-term project, hadn't he? And this doesn't seem to fit in with that, fit in with, with what we've seen. So, again, it's another, it's another funny one. You know, a couple of, if you look at Glamorgan as well, they're kind of, like I was trying to say, their sort of progress has been undone by the fact that everybody else seems to have got better. So perhaps it's, things just haven't moved quite as fast as, as Mickey would have liked, maybe. Um, he, I think it probably would have been impossible to account for what we've seen. But yeah, I think, I think it's another case of other counties playing absolutely out of their skin which can disrupt the best laid plans in the world. So I think, yeah, it's, it, you can't really put it down to any indi- individual example. It's just a case of the likes of Worcestershire and Leicestershire and uh, other teams just breezing clear. Um, I don't think this was going to be Derbyshire's promotion season, was it, in, in Mickey's grand plan, but next season might have been. And... On the evidence of this year, they're going to have to uh, pick it back up. Uh, they've still got that feel about them, haven't they? That um, you know that that Mickey uh, grit that he installed almost straight away. That was big. fortitude. That's how I describe uh, fortitude. it. That's a good word. That yeah, um, yeah. So they're still, you know, he's very much still got that influence, and he's still displaying. They're still displaying his philosophy 100%, but there's going to have to be, maybe it was always going to be a little bit more difficult than first thought, turning that into a tangible result. But now we just wait and see if they, uh, over this winter, this winter is going to be crucial for them, definitely, and uh, we see what they've got come next April. I think that's a very fair point, Matt, and again, there will be some changes at Derbyshire heading into next year's county championship, won't there? So the arrival of Mohamed Amir, but the departure of the likes of George Scrimshaw and Leicester Ploy. Deploy's going to Middlesex, 
he'll be a massive loss. He has been one of their real standout performers this season. He scored 1,052 runs, an average of 80.92. He is irreplaceable, so we'll have to wait and see how Derbyshire do combat that loss. Maybe David Lloyd can fill the vacuum left behind by Leas, but again, very, very big shoes to fill indeed at the East Midlands County. But Matt, aside then from our discussion about Derbyshire, in fact, let's just talk about Yorkshire before we do look at the performances of the week, Matt, because... Funny enough, that was a very good performance, wasn't it? In what's been a very rough season for Yorkshire across formats. I've just got to ask for your opinion, mate. How how happy were you to see the White Rose on the board again with a victory at North Marine Road? Oh, mate, you know, I probably stopped caring about Yorkshire about three months ago. No, I just, yeah. Yeah, I was happy, obviously, but it's just, it feels a bit hollow. It all, there's so much still going on isn't there this it's being pulled in a million different directions it's it's all healthy and good and you know the as the uh, the reaction to what's happened continues it it, it had to come out it's, it's only then could we start to rebuild but rebuilding will take time and this is hopefully the start of something positive but yeah for now it, it's been a a rough season and I guess you've got to take the good bits when they come so yeah happy to win obviously but just wow can we just get through the rest of this season and reset is uh, is my only desire really from here I've got to be honest um yeah well uh, I think we keep one eye on next year and wait and see what happens frankly yeah, I think that's fair, to be honest, Matt. Very tumultuous times still at Yorkshire from a financial yeah. perspective as well. We've got some prospective buyers from the Rajasthan Royals. Mike Ashley what, as well. Oh, that is one where we'll be strong. Absolutely no way. I, I, I'm, I'm no Newcastle United fan. And I thought they were a little bit getting ahead of themselves when they were constantly moaning about Mike Ashley. But yeah, I would not have him anywhere near. I really wouldn't. But then again, I'm I'm, a, I'm more open to the Royals, and uh, you know I want to see their proposal in a little bit more detail. But for me, we've just we've got to get rid of that debt to Colin Graves to the Colin Graves uh, Graves family trust. That that's got to go because that's crippling. You know, any any debt like that is crippling. But if if the cost is Mike Ashley then no thanks I'm, I'm a little bit uh, I wouldn't say nervous apprehensive I think there you go is the word I'm looking for about that so I'd want to see that in a bit more detail but yeah like I said a million different directions and let's just get through the next three weeks and uh, take stock of where we are you said no 15 minute uh, monologue on Sam Hain so I'll try and keep this monologue as short and sweet as I can yeah we'll have to wait and see won't we with regards to what happens with Yorkshire, only time will tell. But yes, we will keep you updated with any prospective purchasers and new owners of Yorkshire as and when the news comes out. But Matt, aside then from our discussion about the promotion race, about Derbyshire, about Yorkshire, Angler Morgan, let's just have a look at our performances of the week in the second division. So I've got to ask, mate, who did you select as your standout performance or what did you select, I should say, as your standout performance of the week? Uh, as, as much as I've uh, just criticised Yorkshire uh, and said that I don't really, uh, I stopped caring a while ago, um, I would say Matt Revis, um, yeah, it's still, the individual players are still there, the, the developing talent is still there, you've got people like George Hill, Finn Bean, and yeah, Revis coming through, um, Matt Fish has still been, I suppose you could still say he's still developing, he's, Hopefully not quite hit his peak uh, because he was so young when he first burst on. He's still only 25, 26, isn't he? So we've still got the developing core. So, yeah, Matt Revis is, uh, is, is a good, strong all-rounder. Um, and that was, uh, what was it, not first, second first-class century, I think. So, uh, yeah, a, a, a strong performance from him, definitely, and uh, helped set up that massive second innings total that uh, allowed us to be a bit more aggressive when bowling Derbyshire out. Um, yeah, hopefully uh, that was the first or the, the second of many. 
Fingers crossed it is because, again, Matt Revis, a very talented all-rounder indeed for the White Rose of Yorkshireans. In, in terms of some other standout performers from that game from a Yorkshire perspective, Shan Masu scoring 86, George Hill scoring 79, Finn Bean and Jordan Thompson both scoring 64, and then Don Bess taking figures of 4 for 79. He's had a, a somewhat indifferent campaign in 2023 in Red Bull cricket, but great to see him take wickets get that confidence back, get some rhythm back in his bowling. So wonderful to see Don Best back in the wickets column as well. And then in terms of Derbyshire perspective from that game, Wayne Madsen, 93 in both innings. Gutted he couldn't reach another ton, but he has scored enough of them in his career. So I don't think I'll be that that disappointed. And in terms of some other standouts from Derbyshire, Anuj Dal taking 5 for 72 and Alex Thompson taking 5 for 190. But in terms of my standout player of the week, this was very difficult. It really was. I've just mentioned those performances. We had Alex Lee scoring 103, Graham Clark 128, Basileda scored his first ever first-class century as well, and Matt Parkinson took match figures of 8 for 138 against Sussex. But for me personally, given the, the grandeur of this game, given the, the nature, the pivotal aspects associated with this encounter, I've gone with Logan Van Bake. I really have his first county championship start of the season, and the Dutchman made an instant impact on this game. So, as if scoring 53 in the first innings wasn't enough, he then followed it up with two fourfers, finishing with match figures of 8 for 88. So, I was really impressed, to be honest, with Logan Van Beek in the Metrobank One Day Cup. I thought he added that international stardom that Worcestershire may be lacking before they announced his signing. But to do that in your first county championship match... In what is a must-win game, absolutely huge encounter. We can't just understate and underplay that. This was a must-win game for both these teams. And in what proved to be a relatively low-scoring affair, Worcestershire's 284 in the first innings was the only score above 200 in this entire encounter. Logan Van Bake was a key asset behind the pair's eventual victory. So, for those reasons... I will go with Logan Van Bake. A brilliant performance, a great way to start your county championship career at Worcestershire. And to be honest, I think the pairs might bring him back if they can in 2024. I think he's been a really shrewd acquisition. He's an excellent all-rounder. And yeah, more of the same, fingers crossed, for Logan Van Bake heading into the rest of this year's county championship. But just one final mention I had to put in for today's podcast, Matt, was Jamie McElroy. I alluded to him beforehand, but a maiden first-class fifer in a Glamorgan shirt, overall match figures of 8 for 75. Shout out to Jamie McElroy. Great to see him back in action, fully fit as well, getting wickets for Glamorgan, and a maiden first-class fifer for the man who was raised in Bylth Wells, a product of their cricket club. Great to see him taking wickets for the Welsh County at regular intervals. But Matt, that pretty much brings us to an end so what has been a slightly shorter but still an incredibly entertaining and exciting episode of the Counter Cricket Podcast. The last hour has absolutely flown by. So before we say our final goodbyes for the recording, mates, anything to just wrap up on? Maybe heading into the rest of the, the summer, the rest of Super September. Any closing words before we end tonight's podcast? Uh, well, nothing more to add on the cricket side of things, mate, but just to say that uh, I, I did, I think I mentioned this uh, last last. Uh, back in the last season uh, but um, September as a few may already know is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month um, I'm surviving myself it's massively important um, just to to draw attention to uh, to that and to that end I'm doing um, Young Lives Versus Cancer 80 Miles in September Challenge which is um, to that's exactly what it is um to run 80 miles in september um yeah i'm taking uh any donations anything you can afford if you're willing at all um massively appreciate it. i have a just giving page i all go straight to young lives versus cancer a charity that massively helped me and my family when i was young and so yeah um i'm, I'm sure uh, we can put a link in the description but uh, anything that you can give for that will, would be massively appreciated and uh, yeah please check out the brilliant work that Young Lives Versus Cancer do because childhood cancer is very different um, it's no less 
horrible, but it's very, very different in medical and a whole host of other different ways. So, yeah, it, the, the work of charities like that are really important. And uh, this challenge will, uh, it will certainly be a challenge, um, especially in weather like this. But, um, yeah, anything, anything you can give will be uh, massively appreciated. So thank you. Well, Matt, I completely echo that sentiment, mate. And, of course, we'll leave the link to that in the podcast description below. Listeners, if you have got any spare money, please do give it to Matt. A wonderful initiative for a wonderful cause. And I'll give you a tenner as well, mate. Some support from your County Cricket Podcast co-host. But, Matt, that does bring us to an end to today's episode of the County Cricket Podcast. As I said, listeners, next week we'll be back. We'll be longer. It'll be better than ever. But yeah, this was a slightly shortened one purely because of time constraints. But that does bring us to an end to today's episode of the Counter Cricket Podcast. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you ever so much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.